Welcome to Capital Close Up on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live. We're also at 101.9 in Manchester, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Paul Hodes, and we are podcast wherever it is in the known universe that you get your podcasts. And if you're listening by podcast, thanks very much. Please subscribe to Capital Close Up Beyond Politics and Balance of Power, our suite of great shows. I am delighted to welcome as a guest, Jessica Martin of In Town Concord. Uh, We're going to be talking with Jessica about some exciting things coming up in Concord, New Hampshire, very, very soon. This week, as a matter of fact, Jessica Martin, welcome to Capital Close Up. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. So you're the executive director of In Town Concord. Tell us a little bit about you. How did you how did you come to direct In Town Concord? And then we'll <laughs> talk for our listeners um, who may not be familiar with In Town and, and what in what the organization is and does. Oh. Well, it's a little bit of a meandering path. I kind of feel like I manifested it because um, I'm an event planner. Um, I love being involved in the community. I was the executive director for a number of years of the Greater Manchester National Board of Realtors. I left there to pursue event planning. And, um, you know, this is where I ended up. And it just such a great fit, such a great community. Um, just very, very happy and feel very fortunate to be here. <laughs> How long have you been within town Concord? Um, I'll be two years in December. Huh? So you took you took over as executive director during a rather challenging time. Yeah, in, December in 2020. The, <laughs> oh man! I yeah. mean, you know that we were sort of in the middle. We were in the middle of COVID. Things are mm-hmm. things have eased off considerably now. Right. Um, uh, t- what did you find when you got to in town in terms of the organization? Tell us a little bit about what in town Concord is and what in town. Concord does. Yeah, so In Town Concord is a really unique organization. We're a small nonprofit, so we're a 501c3. And basically, um, we do everything relating to, um, you know, creating vibrancy in the downtown. So we do a lot of events. Um, We're probably best known for the Market Days event, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, But we also support the small businesses in the area. Um, We're very big on supporting the arts and culture scene, Um, anything that's going to drive people to the downtown and support the local economy um, in town wants to be a part of. That's great. So uh, Market Days in Concord is going to be back and bigger and better than ever. The date is June 23rd to 25th. We are all uh, praying for sunshine. I know, <laughs> um, because I mean, you know, in my in my in my long life in Concord, um, we've had a lot of rain sometimes. I've heard that, I, yeah. That, it's, that 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 can get a little that can get a little hairy when the wind blows and the tents the tents rattle. Um, you know, yeah. it's a it it's a little harder. But tell us about the planning for this year's um, in town. It 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 looks to me like this is maybe going to be the biggest and best uh, ever um, for for market days. There have been some, you know, some uh, changes and additions in terms of the musical acts and how things are working. So just give us the low, the low down, the rundown and the highlights. 
Yeah, thank you. I also think it's going to be the biggest and best, but I'm, I'm probably a little biased here. Um, so we have three stages of live music going on for three days. So um, market day is, as you said, is June 23rd through the 25th, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Music starts generally around 11 um, and goes to 10 p.m. Um, this year, we're really fortunate to have partnered with the Capital Center for the Arts. They're um, sponsoring um, Vertical Horizon. So this is our first year having a nationally known performing band on the main stage. Um, we're really excited about that. Um, we're also just really excited about all the local talent too. We've been working really hard. So historically, um, we've had people, the performers come to Market Days, they perform for free. They volunteer their time and talent because they love this event, they love this community, um, and they wanna be a part of it. And so in town, something we've been working on this year, we've been trying to raise money for these performers because I think, you know, one thing through COVID we learned is, you know, how valuable these performers are to everything we do, um, you know, and we really want to show that we appreciate them. So we've made a, a concerted effort this year to um, make a place where people can either um, tip them, you know, using Venmo or, you know, uh, PayPal or encouraging the performers to let the people know to tip them. Um, we're going to be having tables for their merch, just support the local um, artists because they do so much for this event and really bring a lot of people to the area. So um, I just wanted to get that message out there because I think it's important because yes, it is a free event, but we really love these performers and want to show our appreciation in whatever way possible. So just to highlight what you've said, you, you may or may not know, I'm a musician. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Oh yeah. I have a band called the Blue Buddha Band. Uh, it's my cool. latest incarnation of my uh, rock and roll career. Um, we're actually performing on the seacoast and uh, starting to starting to perform. I, I didn't apply because uh, I didn't think the band was ready yet, uh, but maybe maybe next year. Next but year. as I'm a long term musician, I've been a musician um, and in the arts for a long time. You and I don't know whether you know, I was the first chair of the Capital Center for the Arts oh, um, wow. to help get it going. And uh, I've been a musician around Concord for a long time. And what I can tell you is that every musician is a small business. And I don't think people can really appreciate how much time and work goes in to preparing right. for, for gigs. I mean, it takes an awful lot of time and work. And, um, you know, these days in the, in the world, um, music kind of is kind of free. I mean, you can, you can stream it and it doesn't look like you pay. You may belong to a, a streaming service, but the musicians um, are no longer really um, getting much from any of the music they record, except for the very, very top musicians. Mm -hmm. And for local musicians, it's really live gigs yeah. that, that pay it. They don't really pay very much. No. So, um, you know, music is, uh, well, for me, it's kind of the, the, something that I love more than more than almost anything right. except my children and my wife. So, right. <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's worth, it's worth investing in, yes. in the performances. And so I'm so glad to hear you say that you are looking for ways to make sure that the musicians are treated fairly treated with respect yeah. and people have a chance to um to 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 to, to honor their performances 
And I think that the people that attend market days really do, you know, if given the opportunity, they will put forward, you know, some sort of compensation. So we're just trying to give them that opportunity this year. And we've done a couple um, fundraisers and raffles. So every musician will be paid, not as much as we want yet, but we have goals for that. Um, and we're also, as I said, we have some signage to encourage people to tip their um, bands that they really want um, to perform. And as I said, putting putting out merch. So I just that's think that's great. important messaging. So I, I love that you're a musician and you can also appreciate the time and talent they put into it. <laughs> I really, I really do. So we've got three music stages. We've got a national level rock and roll band yeah. coming, coming to entertain. When, when does Vertical Horizon uh, play? So um, Mallory Vice opens for them at 630 on Saturday, and then they'll be right after um, that performance so they're really the capstone of the event they're the end yep yeah so that's that's terrific yeah that's fun and what else can we expect from this year's market days i mean it's great that it's really great that you're partnering with the capital center for the arts which um has has kind of changed downtown concord in the time that, that that it's been there and i know that uh, the Capital Center's new executive director, Sal Prizio, has been deeply involved in in all the in all the programming and arrangements for the performances. Yeah, he's been fantastic to work with. We really enjoyed it. Um, so, he, if I stick with that theme, um, Capital Center for the Arts is actually going to be um, sponsoring a beer garden at Bank of New Hampshire stage. So that's something new um, that we haven't had in the past. So that will be right near the main stage. Um, they're also working with the Multicultural Festival to bring a multicultural food booth to their space in their area, too. So, um, you know, just trying to get more diversity in the downtown um, into market days. So we've all been working to, you know, collaborate more within our organizations. We have um, our beer tent of always. Um, Panucci's is also doing a beer garden at the Homegrown stage. So we have three beer gardens this year. Mm-hmm. Historically, we've only had one, so that's kind of a yeah. cool thing. Um, we have two bounce houses for the kids on State House Plaza. We also have um, a lot of free activities on State House Plaza. So there'll be yoga, there'll be kids yoga, there'll be Zumba. We've got the Boy Scouts there doing their mobile base camp. We have a juggler. We have super Spanish performance. Um, so we just just so many different things for people. Whatever you want is there and we have 160 vendors so if you don't want any of that and you just want to shop you can do that too <laughs> oh man that's huge 160 yeah, yeah. different vendors is is huge that yeah. that sounds is that more than than there have been um in it's the past so last year we had about 120 which yep. coming out of covid we had staffing shortages sure still, still those are challenges that are are there but um, this is quite, yeah, this is quite a bit. Plus, um, that's not including the Concord Arts Market that takes Pleasant Street. So more than 160, oh. really. <laughs> wow. So so there's beer gardens, there's multicultural food, there's yeah. a whole crafts market aspect um, uh, to this, which is which is really terrific. Um, you know, the, it, I'm so glad to hear you talk about the, the kind of the partnership with the multicultural festival because you know especially in a town in a town like concord making sure that um diversity equity and inclusion are are a focus of the 
this kind of community event um, is is more and more important. I think I it's totally um, I, I kudos to you and Please. in town for for that that kind of focus. Um, so I, since I, I I'm an eater, okay, I love to eat. Oh yeah. What kind of what kind of food are we gonna see oh, at market goodness. at market days? What 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 can we eat? So there's there's a lot of options. A lot of your favorites will be back. So we have, um, you know, Greek food, Gina's Greek food. We have, um, we actually have a Temple Street Diner this year, which is going to do seafood. So we'll have lobster rolls. Um, we've got Gelinas coming back where they do like their sausages and French fries and lemonade. We've got Canterbury kettle corn, Cole's Kitchen, which is a restaurant that's downtown. They do all vegan food. Mm. Um, they'll have a booth there. As I said, the Multicultural Festival, um, New Hampshire Pizza Co., who just opened downtown as well. They'll have a booth. Um, we have a couple other pizza vendors that will be there as well. Uh, fried dough, mm -hmm. <laughs> cotton candy, all your uh -huh. standards. Yeah. Um, and one that people um, tend to really love is Yankee Farmers Market, which they do like the buffalo burger. Right. Um, so that's a favorite, too. So that's been a favorite of mine. All the stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't I can't go to market days without getting a buffalo burger. They're so good. Yeah, I, I can't either. And and I know um, the multicultural festival we already talked about, but I know they'll have some of the favorites that people like from the multicultural festival, like the Somali meat pies are really, really popular. So mm -hmm. um, you can get that kind of stuff, too. Wow. 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 So it sounds like it's going to be a. Uh, an awful an awful lot of fun what so. how 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 long does it take you and in town to put all this together um and <laughs> i mean how, how long have you been working how long do you work on this yeah we start in january so right um <laughs> yeah and 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 you know i'm curious just uh, selfishly so if i wanted to book a mute my my musical act for in town, what what would be the process? Um, most of the time, people will email me, um, and then we have volunteers actually that coordinate the three stages. So Curtis Arnett does the main stage; he's very um, involved in the local music scene, and um, we have Lucas Gallo who does the homegrown stage, and then Andrea Deichman, um Deichman. I think I pronounced that wrong, mm -hmm. um, but she does Tandy's stage in the Eagle Square. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, three stages musicians can yeah, so contact I would send you them and, your information yeah. and then they yeah. would follow up with you yeah and and in terms of vendors how what do you do to contact people to let them know that uh, they need you know uh, do people have need permits uh, how do they how do the vendors how do the vendors uh, apply what's that process like so we start the vendor registration February 1st so if people didn't get in this year they can um, once February 1st happens, we send an email out to all the previous vendors and we put it all over, you know, our marketing channels that vendor registration is open. We do an early bird pricing from February to the end of April and then um, it goes up slightly and then um, we close at the first Friday in June. So um, unfortunately, we've had to turn people away this year because as you can imagine with 160 vendors, you need that two weeks in between mm -hmm. market days and the vendor registration close um, right. to do a lot of planning and coordination. So we've had a very firm date on closing the vendor registration, but we feel like 
there's a long window there. <laughs> so right. people do have um, time. And we we provide them all the information they need for as far as licensing goes, dealing with the city. If they don't have insurance and they need insurance, we, con we connect them with a contact. Um, so we really try to make it easy for people. It's and I'm, I'm betting that you've coordinated very closely with the city in terms of um, security and parking and yeah. all of those kinds of things. So um, talk a little bit about where people can park um, and where the street closures are. And, uh, um, it, you know, this is a walking event, yeah. so people are going to have to, you know, park somewhere outside the downtown and, and walk. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, with any festival, parking can be a challenge. So definitely if you can um, walk in, ride your bike, leave your bike, you know, outside of the festival, yes, that you don't ride your bikes through the festival, but, um, you know, that's obviously preferred. But um, there's School Street Parking Garage, obviously, um, State Street Parking Garage. We have, um, there's parking on Store Street. Um, where, wherever you can find parking really is where you can, you can park. Um, but definitely we, we encourage carpooling as much as possible. <laughs> sure. And and uh, the store street has, of course, the huge parking lots for all the for all the the, the merchants down on store street. Is that going to be available for people to to park as yeah. well as the garages? Yeah. So we actually try to um, we coordinate with Christ the King Church um, for vendor parking. And then we've also coordinated with um um, a parking lot off of store street for the vendor parking too. We try to keep the, the vendors out of the parking that the festival guests will be using. So, um, that's the plan anyway. <laughs> right. So, um, in, in the, we have a few minutes left. Um, what's been the biggest challenge for you this year for, for, uh, for this wonderful market days, June 23rd, June 25th, downtown Concord, a pedestrian mall of delight, yeah. of music, food, merchandise, just a wonderful celebration of the Concord community. But what's been your biggest challenge this year? Well, my biggest challenge is a personal challenge, and that is that I am nine months pregnant. <laughs> so, oh, my. Yeah. So that's a, yeah, that's that's a challenge in and of itself because event planning is very physical, but I have a great team here. Um, I'm an event coordinator, Haley, and she is on her second year with the event. And we also have an intern this year that's been fantastic and a very supportive board. And thank goodness for volunteers because we have an army of them for market days. And how, how be... many, how many volunteers do you have? Uh, we probably have like 60, 70, something like that because not only do they help the day of, but we have a lot of like pre-event work that people help us with too. So, right. Yeah. Well, man, oh man. So you're nine months pregnant planning yeah. the biggest event of the year. <laughs> um, that's an undertaking. <laughs> well, Jessica, it's been a real pleasure to have Thank you. Thank you. Thank Folks, you we've been, me. we've been talking here on Capital Close Up with Jessica Martin, the executive director of In Town Concord, the terrific not-for-profit organization that makes Concord hum. Uh, they have been, and Jessica has been directing the planning for market days, June 23rd to 25th. Come on down. You'll have a great time with all kinds of music, food, and fun. Jessica, 
Thanks for being with us. Thank it's Capital Close Up, and we'll be back after this. Welcome back to Capital Close Up. I'm your host, Paul Hodes. We're broadcast on WKXL, AM and FM, and 101.9 in Manchester. We're podcast wherever in the known universe you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on podcast, please subscribe to our show, Capital Close Up, Beyond Politics and Balance of Power. Great podcasts, and we really appreciate you listening. Our guest for this segment is New Hampshire State Representative Deb Altshuler. She is running is as the, the Democratic candidate uh, for the New Hampshire State Senate in New Hampshire State Senate District 24. Deborah, welcome to Capital Close-Up. Oh, thank you very much, Paul. I'm super glad to be here. I'm delighted to have you. Um, first, let's, uh, let's just briefly tell tell our listeners um what's in what's in state senate district 24 there's been some redistricting um things have changed uh you are running against a republican named lou gargiulo who has been a frequent candidate um for various offices uh, what towns are now in state senate district 24 so after the redistricting, State Senate 24 will have my hometown of Stratum, um, and then it will also include Exeter, Greenland, Rye, Hampton, Hampton Falls, Northampton. So it's sort of a, it's a seacoast, it's kind of a seacoast area district. Um, it, is. it is, it is a, it is an oceanfront and Great Bay touched, so every part of um, Great Bay and the ocean touches somewhere in my district. So let's let's go back. Let's uh, we're going to go into the wayback machine. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about you. Where 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 did you grow up? How did you get into politics in the first place? Um, well, I grew up in and out of Beverly, Massachusetts. My um, my parents built a house there. And then my dad worked in international business. So we moved around quite a bit in Europe and um, eventually came back to the United States where um, I did graduate high school uh, in the town where I actually started kindergarten. So there was a the big gap in between. Um, but I, but I did, I did graduate from Beverly High School, and uh, then I went out to Western Massachusetts to the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And right after graduation, I moved to New Hampshire. So, um, growing up, uh, my parents have always. I, and for all of my life, uh, I have had a place, a wonderful sanctuary up in Multonboro. So it hasn't been the same one, but my parents have always had a little cottage um, up in Multonboro on Lake Winnipesaukee. So I grew up on Lake Winnipesaukee. And, um, and honestly, um, this new nickname of calling it Winnie is something that's like very new to me. I don't know where that came from, to be honest with you, but um, I never heard it until the past couple of years. And, and I have been there for more decades than I'll admit to. Mm. Uh, so anyway, um, after my husband and I got married, we moved to Exeter and his job took him out of state. And then the minute we could, we came right back 
bought a place in Stratum and now we bounce between Stratum and seeing my dad up at his house in Moultonboro. Well, that's great. I'm so, a great skater. Yeah. So, so you, you spent some of your growing up years, uh, it sounds like out of the country um, with an international experience. Uh, do I, do I have that right? That is correct. That and is correct. Where were you and what was it like to grow up um, and have all those influences uh, from overseas? Uh, it was amazing. Uh, I was old enough to really, really understand how um, fortunate I was and what a cool experience it was. Uh, we lived in Ireland and Germany and uh, the way that, <clears throat> you know, I can drive two hours to the mountains here in New Hampshire uh, we could do the same in Germany, but it would be in a different country. So oh. school ski trips, instead of going up to um, to Gunstock um, or to Cannon, like we do here, uh, school ski trips were to the Alps, which was which was kind of a riot because it was the same. It's the same kind of thing. You know, you pack a bag lunch, you schlep your own stuff onto the school bus. Um, it was exactly like we do it here, um, just a different location. So different it was language. not, it was, yeah, it was not, um, it, it was, it was not glamorous, but it was super fun. Uh-huh. It sounds glamorous because it's something different, but it was really just, I had a really cool upbringing and I went to school with other kids whose parents also were, um, you know, moving about the world in uh, in corporate jobs and military jobs. So it was really interesting and That's really fun. fascinating. Yeah. So, so uh, what you were in Ireland for some part of this? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and were you touched at all by the <clears throat> conflict in Ireland when you were there? Were you aware of it, that there was a conflict between Ireland and North Ireland and uh, all what they called the troubles? Yes. Acutely aware. Um, my father's family is Irish and my half of my mom's family is Irish. So we were acutely aware of the troubles. Um, but as a child and where we lived, we lived in the southernmost part of County Carlo. And uh, it was virtually untouched in that space. Mm. So um, it was not something we, we were not far north enough, nor were we close to a capital that it was part of our daily lives, but you certainly heard all about it all the time. Yeah. So, so talk to us a little bit about uh, getting into politics. Um, You've been a New Hampshire state rep. You've um, been right in the middle of it for quite a while. Um, What motivated you to enter, enter politics? And um, what was it like when you got there? And what's it like now? So I've been in politics uh, longer than I've been out. I had my first real taste of what um, political um, municipal officers could do when I was 16 years old in high school and got to be mayor for the day. And it was more than I got to really, really be mayor for a day. Our mayor, of course, we did the, the tour and the um, overview, but then my mayor at the time really had some work to do and said, well, come on, let's just go do it. And I got a real front row seat as to what it was that municipal officers do for my town. I'm sorry, excuse me. And I thought it was amazing. And I was hooked. So when I went to college, 
I got involved in student government and um, I was part of the Greek system at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and was the Panhellenic president. So that's the president of all the sororities on campus. And that was a really great experience. And I helped out a um, student body president and at the university, uh, student body president campaign. And at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, that's like a mini municipal campaign because we had something like 20,000 students on campus. So you really like we learned organizing. And then, um, yeah, here we are now flash forward. I'm here in Stratum where this is my my permanent home because I have too much furniture to ever leave. And it was kind of by design. Once we moved in, I started acquiring heavy things so that we could never leave. And um, I ran for state rep. And I was really motivated to run because Medicaid expansion was on, you know, was on the table. And the rep who was representing me, uh, there were two at the time, uh, they both voted against it. And I was appalled. I just thought that's not, that doesn't represent me. And they also were voting against uh, reproductive freedom issues. And that doesn't represent me. And they were voting against um, things that are would affect my town. So I decided to throw my hat in the ring and I won a seat. And here we are three terms later. And now I'm going to run for Senate. Well, that's, you know, it's uh, New Hampshire is a, a pretty unique and wonderful place. We, we have a lot of democracy here. Um, I'm always fond of telling people that, you know, we have the fourth largest legislative body in the English speaking world after the United States Congress, the British Parliament and the Indian uh, Parliament. It's mm -hmm. the New Hampshire state legislature. Late later, um, if we if we were in California, there'd be ten thousand state legislators. Um, it's <laughs> it, it, it's it's sort of a it, what it a is crazy idea. It is a crazy idea, but it means that you know people are really in close touch with their um, representatives, and the representatives are in close touch with their uh, constituents. Um, uh, so you're now. Um, uh, taking on a state Senate race. So you've, yes. you, you've basically been a representative for a single town um, for Correct. Stratum. And now you're going to have to expand and uh, expand the whole effort. Um, what does it feel like to face that kind of expanded effort um, in terms of the political process and what you've got to go through to... Um, get your name and presence out to people who may not have been paying attention before. Right. So, uh, well, fortunately, um, I think I have a little bit of name recognition in the area uh, because I have been working on some big issues uh, that affect all of our, our towns. Um, it is a common concern in my, in the seven towns in the district that uh, we support public education and that we support our teachers and that we want our kids to have the very best public education possible. And um, so that is a concern. And we have some really great schools in the district with some amazing parent groups 
Um, so we have heard a lot of backlash from people who are who are saying that you know their school is our schools are failing them. Um, but while you know, meanwhile, our schools are in the top ten, and our kids are coming out and going on to some really exciting vocational careers and getting into some really competitive colleges and into some incredibly unique programs at other colleges. We have a really strong community college system here in New Hampshire. So educational opportunities are abound. They absolutely abound. So um, that is a concern in all of the towns that we preserve and protect that and improve it. So that's a common thread. Another common thread in all of the towns, um, because we all touch uh, the Atlantic Ocean and Great Bay, is clean water and making sure that the forever chemicals of PFAS that are in the runoffs of the landfills, um, the Coakley landfill that, that has been running off and um, affecting Barry Brook in Greenland and uh, the runoffs from fire stations that had, you know, at the time doing really good work doing fire drills so that, you know, they can keep our community safe, but using foam that the, um, <clears throat> the companies that make the foam knew that it was dangerous to the environment, but they hid that information from the people using it. And now that we are finding these things out and recognizing that we need to clean up some of this mess, um, it is important to all of the communities that we get the appropriate funding and the appropriate um, tools to make sure that people have clean drinking water and that Great Bay is clean because it is a, an important part of our eco-structure. Eco so those are things that are important to all of our towns, and not to mention that every town um, has expressed interest in making sure that they have control over spaces in their town that they would like to be gun free. You know, Stratum Hill Park has made um, made it very clear through a town meeting that they do not want hunting in Stratum Hill Park. There's lots of other places to hunt and Stratum Hill Park should not be the place. Exeter doesn't want guns on Swayze Parkway. Um, this is, you know, towns, towns are very clear about where is appropriate to be carrying a weapon and where isn't. So these are universal throughout the entire district. So speaking of education, it's, it's become unfortunately uh, politicized. Um, but that's probably inevitable um, to some degree. But um, education has been a pretty hot issue in New Hampshire. Uh, traditionally, the, you know, the issue has been one of funding. How are we going to fund it and on what basis? And, um, you know, do we tax? Do we not tax? Do we have taxes? Don't we have taxes? Uh, but the, the real issues seem to have shifted somewhat to kind of uh, political tribalism, um, especially um, in co during COVID, um, when we've had issues around local control by school boards and schools, um, parents' involvement. We've had uh, these issues around teaching and what teachers can teach and can't teach. Uh, the current um, uh, commissioner of education in New Hampshire is somebody who um, has provoked a lot of controversy. Um, I was speaking to an education expert 
the other day whose business is consulting on teacher leadership and schools and teacher support. Um, she travels all over the state. And what she told me was that there is a crisis, if not if not um, immediately apparent in all schools, in many schools in New Hampshire, there's a crisis because um, uh, kids are not uh, pursuing educational careers in the same numbers they were, uh, that teachers are under enormous stress, that teachers have been blamed by parents for all the ills that their kids have faced and the concerns that teachers are leaving the profession because they're um, not paid well and because the pressures are too great. Um, what's your perspective on, mm -hmm. on those kinds of issues? How are they playing out in uh, your, what, would, will, what, what we hope will be your state Senate district? Um, and what are your thoughts about how to support teachers and teaching in New Hampshire when it's highly unlikely that we'll ever see um, the kind of financial support for education that other states have? Yeah, well, that's a lot. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but let, let me let me start at the let me start at the basic of this is the value that we place on education. And in my communities, uh, my communities place an exceptionally high value on education and invest accordingly. So um, but what we what we don't have is a commissioner of education who shares those values. And the commissioner of education sets the tone for the rest of the state. And the commissioner of education in our state has decided that um, his goal will be that of a national leadership through the DeVos family and through Koch Brothers Industries, which is to privatize schools. So when you privatize schools, how can you do that when we have a robust public school education? Well, take the kids out and give their parents money. Do a voucher system. Even though New Hampshire has um, spent just about a decade revamping how we teach kids to make learning more individualized, um, to expand on the IDEA into the classroom itself, and to um, provide opportunities and, and experiences for kids to meet curriculum in a way that really speaks to them so that they can absorb it, they can learn it, and by learning it, they can use it. It's no good to be able to recite your multiplication tables or you know, a poem if you have no context as to what to do with it after that moment. So um, these things are being devalued by people like Frank Edelblut at the Department of Education, who is encouraging groups that have money and sponsorship from uh, libertarian organizations across the country, like Moms for Liberty, where, um, and then there is sample legislation. Um, and I fought against the divisive concepts language that was put into the New Hampshire state budget. Um, the libertarian free staters brought this language in and it is not special. 
in that they didn't come up with it. They didn't write it. It wasn't their idea. They got it from a template that went out to states across the nation to put in divisive concepts um, into bills that would say that teachers cannot teach things that make um, particularly white children feel uncomfortable. So we can't talk about, you know, we can talk about that the country um, engaged in slavery, but we can't talk about why. We can talk about the fact that uh, women did not have the right to vote um, and that it took 100 years to fight for that, but we can't talk about why. So it has created this chilling effect over our, you know, the way that teachers present curriculum when you have groups like Moms for Liberty who have encouragement through our commissioner of education with a, um, a special form on our state's website to turn teachers in for going against these very vague but very hateful divisive concepts language. And then another whack in our education system uh, is is the voucher program. Our commissioner of education said that the voucher program would be, you know, 20 to 30 students when it first got up and rolling. And the voucher program actually has 1,635 students enrolled in it. And what we know is of those 1,635, 1,300 of them are were previously outside of the public school system. They were families who um, were pre-voucher already not participating in the public school system. So now that there is cash on hand for them, they are, they're cashing in, they're applying for their money. And it's, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. You know, I actually bought two books um, just last week, I bought the, I bought two copies of the same book to give give as a gift um, to our two state reps who are running in here in Stratum. And I bought it at Water Street Bookstore, our local independent bookstore, and um, and that is a gift that I am giving them. But it is a and I bought I also have a copy for myself. But what I didn't do after I bought those books is go to the library and insist that I get my tax dollars back for that month because I'm not taking any books out of the library and I bought books somewhere else. So I need you to reimburse me. That is not how public education, how public good, how public facilities work. I did not hike at Stratum Hill Park this June yet. I had only attended one event. So I'm certainly absolutely not going to go to the Department of Recreation and ask for my portion of my tax dollars back because I haven't used the park as much as I usually do. That's not how it works. Um, I have not had a fire at my house, so I don't get a rebate on an ambulance having, having not come to my house. We all participate in these projects because it makes our communities healthier, it makes our communities safer, it makes our communities smarter, it makes our communities more engaged. Um, so this, you know, all for one and the one is me is a terrible, terrible way to build community. Well, I appreciate your passion about this, because it's, um, it's an important, uh, the, the way we educate our kids throughout the state whether or not our education system teach, treats uh, school districts equally, 
um, whether teachers are supported uh, or discouraged um, from their jobs is a critical issue for the future of the state that sometimes seems pretty challenging uh, for people to grasp. And, and, and from the way you so articulately and passionately uh, show show us the evils of the voucher system. Um, it sounds like uh, taxpayers are having to pay uh, for kids to go to private schools. Um, they which, are. Which is, we actually are. It's an unfair burden on taxpayers to pay for kids uh, both pay, pay to support our public education system and to pay for kids to go to private schools. That's that's crazy. And we're glad you're running for the New Hampshire State Senate. So um, Deb Altshiller of Stratum, New Hampshire, a three-term New Hampshire State Representative running for New Hampshire State Senate on the Democratic ticket um, and uh, a passionate advocate for education and women's rights um, and children. Deb, thanks for joining us. This has been Capital Close-Up. I'm your host, Paul Hodes. We'll be back next week.